I'm a coffee nerd and uh, I want to to have the to try to have the best quality in in the cup. But when you have five places like me and a team of I think we're at, at the peak time where we have uh, 18 to 20 barista, but it's impossible to have 20 world champions. <laughs> Welcome to or welcome back to Coffee with April. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is a conversation with some amazing professionals and entrepreneurs in the coffee industry. Sharing their perspective and experience, it's about integrity, quality, and the future. For this episode, we sat down with Francois, owner and founder of Café Capital in Brussels, Belgium. We had a very open and honest discussions about the challenges and opportunities that comes with running not just a coffee roastery, but also coffee shops. I think this is an episode that is really relevant for any of you that wants to start your own coffee business or already have it. Enjoy. So I'm sitting in uh, Brussels in Belgium um, together with Francois that has Café Capital, uh, which is a roastery, coffee shop, um, and about to be a lot more as well. We spent a few days uh, together here exploring the coffee scene in uh, Belgium. We have a, had a day out in Ghent yesterday, which was really interesting, and I spent some time up in Antwerpen as well. Uh, it's, been, um, it's been a very good trip. And uh, let's see, you and me, Francois, we met, we met the first time, was it two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. yeah. I remember it. You... Um... I contact you to have a roasting consultant uh, in my old, uh, in my previous uh, roasting space, and uh, every day that I open my roaster and my roasting program, I remember this moment because uh, you draft for me uh, a ta- uh, an Excel table uh, with yep. uh, all where I need to log all the information about the roasting and the first date of this. Excel table was the the first roast that I do with you. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I, I remember that very well as well. And the the Excel table was uh, we talked a lot about um, in between times yeah. when we roasted, and we talked a lot about just logging information as well. And we're gonna get back to more more of our roasting in this conversation later as well. Um, so now it's two years later. That's a lot of things have been happening in your company since that time yeah uh, so I want us to try to kind of deconstruct and look at that as well and try to share with all of you that are, are listening as well the um, how it is to, to start a you know start a roastery and also how it is to start coffee shops as well because that's something you've been doing for a long time as well yeah. um, but first of all we're sitting in a beautiful new roastery space and educational space as well uh, that you opened uh, like three a, months ago, two months ago, brand new during the yeah. summer, yeah, four months ago, and um, in fact, um, the the previous space where we were uh, was a little too short. Uh, then we decided to move the place, uh, and now we are really close from the Brussels center. Then it's super easy for me and for my cus- customer to. To, to come here, but also the, the idea is on to open um, an education uh, place or an education training center, what you want, to start with the SCA model uh, for the barista brewing green coffee and uh, perhaps roasting in the future. And um, this place is, uh, is divided in fact in three three rooms a theoretical rooms uh, and video rooms uh, the, the barista training room with uh, two machines and uh, all what you need to, to make uh, an espresso extraction or brewing and uh, the roastery with uh, uh, in fact a simple roaster, a one kilo roaster probat and a five, uh, five kilo probat. Yeah. 
What's the, I'm always very curious when I meet roasters and we talk about their machines, right? So is there a special reason why you started with the ProBat? Uh, no, it's just a. In fact, it's just a question of contact and uh, oh, yeah? uh, the 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 probat provider in Belgium is uh, the same than the Malkening provider. And sure, that's, <laughs> uh, and then it's easy to move on. Yeah. Okay, very good. Um, what what came first for you? The, did you start the coffee shop first or the yeah. roastery first? We start with the coffee shops uh, 10 days or uh, 11 years ago, no, 10, 10 years or 11 years ago. Um, but the, the first the first idea when I opened a coffee shop was a cool place is to drink coffee, but I have no idea about the quality of coffee and uh, what's the specialty coffee and uh, if the coffee is a green beans or black beans uh, on a tree then I have absolutely no idea about the coffee but just the project is, was to to have places with uh, lazy sofa and uh, cool music and um, cafe gourmand with a lot of uh, white cream and syrup and so on and after uh, a few years like this, uh, I think it was in uh, 2011 or 12. I made a travel in Australia and uh, with a friend, and I discovered uh, a new kind of uh, market, and uh, I was totally uh, smashed by what I taste and when, uh, when I see in, in Melbourne and Sydney places where you sell only classic basic milk drink and filter coffee with no white cream, with no syrup, with no topping and a huge line of customer and when I try the, the coffee I, I understand the difference between uh, my commodity coffee, dark roast and a specialty coffee and when I come back in Brussels uh, I decide to um, to follow this trend and uh, start to understand and make a lot of uh, courses to understand the difference uh, uh, different origin, different kind of beans and uh, Step by step, uh, I do so many workshops and I passed all the SCA modules and the cure grading and finally I decide to to change uh, all the previous projects to another kind of uh, coffee shop. Yeah. So the so the foundation of, of your education, because education in coffee is very interesting. I think that's something that has developed a lot over the the last years as well. But then you've been you've gone through the SEA systems first before starting. Yeah. Roasting. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah. The in fact, uh, I follow a first uh, workshop at Belco in France, and uh, the guy said to me, "Ah, oh, but do you know there is a." an association uh, named Specialty Coffee Association and they have uh, so many workshops uh, all around the world and <laughs> yeah. let's, let's do it. <laughs> Amazing. So then you've been through, you've gone through all the courses and I mean how did you go about starting the roastery? Uh, we started the roastery uh, now I think it's four years ago four years ago and uh, but it was the same um, I started the roastery uh, after passed all the SEA roastery module but finally the SEA education system is very important to understand what you need to follow but the, the final structure I think it's when when I have a, your consultants mm. during three days and I understand that 
the most important in in the roasting system is to be regular and uh, uh, consistency and load the maximum information as you can um, and understand your your roaster in fact uh, all your roaster uh, uh, works and uh, how many times it needs to be hot how many times it needs to be clean how many times when you need to to open the doors and <clears throat> in how many seconds the temperature will drop and I think each roaster has its own life in fact sure yeah, definitely and I think the I mean, the SCA courses are um, they're a great foundation I would say I mean it's it's any kind of education is always a good thing, right? Because you can always learn. Uh, but the, the <coughs> challenge with them, especially from a roasting perspective, is that they're very general, right? They're not mm. specific. No. So it's very, very hard to actually implement them on your own system, on your own machine. Um, and as you say as well, roasting is a very, I mean, it's a very individual thing, right? So, I mean, if I go around the world and I roast on different loring machines, right? As I roast on a loring, then all of these are gonna behave slightly different depending on where they are, right? We have different gas pressures, we have mm. different exhaust tubes, different temperatures, different humidity and so on, right? So it's very, very hard to generalize any kind of knowledge uh, about roasting. Yeah. Um, what, was, what was easiest for you, starting a coffee shop or starting a roastery? Or were they both, uh, was, that, was that a difficult I think, process? I think that the easy, the easiest way is to open a coffee shop. In fact, it's super easy because, in fact, you repeat always the um, the same thing. You need always, in fact, in all the coffee shop, it's always the same grinder. Uh, there is two brands for the coffee machine, and and that's it. Uh, you need always the same. Uh, filter for the water and as more or a cartridge but in fact it's super easy to to open a coffee shop and it's super easy also to to train a team to be a barista because it's super trendy to be a barista and the people have a an an image about the the works and uh, this job is in fact, in fact, you find super easy people who want to do this job. But the rosary, it's in fact, it's a personal job. You, you, you are often alone in front of the machine. Uh, temperature is not very comfortable generally. Uh, and then you, you need to, to be focused alone in front of family beings and uh, and speak with your machine and and your uh, crop store to <laughs> but it's a it's yeah you're alone then I think it's it's not very funny for for the team to do these jobs but definitely is is the main part of the company sure and this this job is generally is in the hand of uh, a, a very small or very tiny team just two one two three person who had the secret of the, the the company and then yeah I think it's easy to do a, a coffee bar than a grocery yeah. I mean, there is a lot of um, perhaps misconception is the wrong word but the, there's definitely a lot of people starting a roastery that that doesn't necessarily know what they're getting themselves into because <coughs> as you say the it's a very different job or kind of a day-to-day -day thing um, from what most people would say. I mean, it's a pretty heavy, dirty, um, lonely job to some mm. extent, right? I mean, the majority of the time. And I think it's easy from, from um, a kind of a viewer standpoint to only see the positive things, right? You see the roaster that goes to origin, you see the roaster that travels to like a cool event somewhere but the reality is that a roaster most of the time stands alone by the machine and lifts really heavy stuff yeah <laughs> basically right and in fact you are 
you are alone in front of your roster, but also you are also al alone in the after work when you, you start the cupping. In fact, you need to find the energy because after the, to cup 20 cups, for example, you know that you have your own dishes, you need to clean everything, sure. but you are alone, you have... And, and I prefer to do it also alone because when we cut in team, in fact, there is so many information. It's interesting to have the, that kind of information, but finally there is no decision because uh, two person preferred cup number two, two other person preferred cup number five, and finally which one is the best one, nobody knows. And at, at the end of this session, <laughs> you, you have no answer then I prefer to do it myself and and with my knowledge m my uh, different um, experience in during the, the last years and decide in fact it's m my touch in this coffee shop and this touch I need to decide if this coffee have my own touch or not then mm. Well, I think that's very important and that's a big part of being an owner, right? I think it's the same for you. You, you stay the roaster because you, you want to decide the, the April touch. And sure. I mean, <coughs> it's, it's important. It's a, it's a very challenging aspect of it, right? And I, I, I mentioned this previously in this podcast as well and in the episode we did with Tim Medibo. Um We had this short, a few minutes where we discussed the fact that there, what's, what's so cool with Tim Menebo as a roastery that he's been actually having a lot of different people roasting. But uh, the coffee is still so continuous, right? I mean, it tastes the same even though he had so many different people actually roasting. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's uh, him taking responsibility, right? Whereas like Tim Menebo has, as a company, has a taste profile, right? And the people that are in that company are supposed to create that taste profile. And I think that's really interesting. And it's something that we at April work a lot on as well, right? Whereas there is a lot of different ways to make coffee that tastes good. I believe that. I don't believe it's one way. I believe there's a lot of different ways. But the important thing for us at April is that April has a taste profile, right? So the, the staff in April are allowed to have a lot of opinions, which is good and it's part of progressing, right? But there's, there will always be a path where April coffee is supposed to taste like this. This is what we're going for always, uh, and that won't change with with people. But that's a, that's a result of a reflection on, on what kind of coffee I like, right? Uh, which is part of why I I would never personally start a coffee shop because I can imagine that to be very difficult, right? Whereas in the roastery, you as an owner, you're you're more in control of the mm -hmm. taste quality that comes out because it's a smaller team. Um, it's a more consistent process, but. When you open up coffee shops, it gets challenging because yeah. you have so many baristas. Had, had that been frustrating for you? Has that, has that been a difficult process to make sure that the Capital coffee is tasting the way you want to, not just like roasted coffee in a cupping bowl, but mm -hmm. also then serving to your guests? Yeah, then um, it's also one of the one reason for why I do now the SCA training models because it was a challenge and in fact the taste is so subjective that you have always discussion with people who about something that no nobody had the, the right answer in fact then we need to decide uh, a process to be sure that what i dis what i would like to to do is what is it in the final cup then uh, we start the SCA uh, training center to the, the, the barista who want to work behind my coffee machine need to be certified by the minimum intermediate uh, level. And that's why uh, we decide to, to start also the SCA module in our training center for all team because I decide to, to that the barista who will be behind my coffee machine need to have the minimum intermediate uh, level for the brewing and the barista. Why? Because there is uh, 
a general knowledge that a guy need to have to start uh, like a professional and the the minimum is the intermediate level also we i decide some guidelines we can discuss about the this decision of guidelines but i think it's a guy it's guidelines who will help the barista in fact we use only 20 uh, grams basket with 20 grams in the 20 grams of coffee in and the um, we i would like to have between 40 and 44 grams out then ratio 2.0 or 2.2 and the tds need to be controlled every one hour and 30 minutes and the the tds need to be at 8.75 percent okay it's a general recept for sure we can adjust the recept to have a, a better uh, cup perhaps I'm, I'm okay with uh, with this idea but we need to to switch uh, the maximum um, we, we, we I need to be sure that uh, the the barista have the minimum decision in the in the construction of the recept that why the the timing the the ex extraction time could be adjusted by the the barista but the goal is to have 8.75 uh, tds and to have 40 to 44 grams out that if if the extraction is between uh, 24 or uh, 28 seconds um, <clears throat> i'm ready to to speak about this and to to taste the the different cup but i don't want to have a uh, um, barista who decide to put 18 grams in and uh, uh, 40 out in the shop number one and in the shop number two perhaps a, a totally other uh, version of this coffee that that's why for Yeah, this, this guideline uh, was decided. Uh, you need uh, consistency, right? All yeah. coffee shops need consistency. I think it's the. Uh, I mean, you you always go in and you evaluate a coffee shop mainly based on the the worst coffee they make, mm. right? That's usually how it works. So, you know, it doesn't matter if I go in. If I go in, uh, let's say five days in one week, and I have uh, four amazing coffees, and I have one completely crap coffee, then my perspective of that shop will, will be mainly based on that really bad coffee I got, right? So I totally understand that you want to you standardize it. As And much also, as I'm totally... Um, I don't want that the barista work with a pre-programmed touch on the machine, the pre-volume program touch, because I think the, 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 the barista works is just... It's not only to push on a button and to wait uh, 25 seconds and and start again another cut. No, the, the, the job is to understand and to read the, the extraction and to see the color of the extraction and to understand that, oh, there is a, something wrong or, oh, the extraction is very uh, consistency. Then if, if you let your barista with a pre-programmed touch, in fact, You have a lazy barista at the end, and and step by step, it it it's an automatic barista, and that it's not the the job that I want. I want people who understand the coffee, uh, see the people who are able to to read the color of the the coffee after the during the extraction. It's for me super important. The people who who see immediately the density of the liquid when the liquid drops into the cup. And if you do a job with a pre-programmed touch, finally what you do, you push on the button and you speak with your uh, friend or you do something uh, other and you don't see anything about the, the coffee. Here you need to, to have your eyes on the, the chrono and on the scales. Yeah, sure, and I think it's, I mean, there's a lot of discussion these days about 
baristas, you know, you see this automated, uh, like, robot arms that are brewing your coffee these mm -hmm. days. You see this fully automatic machines um, coming up as well. And there's more and more of a discussion that we want to have, where a lot of people want to have less baristas, right? Uh, which is mainly a cost thing as well. But I, ag I agree with you with the fact that we have... Most baristas today are staring way too much at the numbers, right? I mean, it's the same when you roast coffee as well as if you're... We have this uh, reality now that people are roasting a lot more based on curves and lines than actually what is happening now when I'm roasting. Uh, and the reality is that even if you have a line or you're... Let's say you, you reach the right temperatures, right weight when you brew espresso or... Um, right to total roasting time, for example. It doesn't necessarily mean the coffee will taste the way you want to, right? Because there's a lot of other variables that goes into it as well. Mm -hmm. We need to have a basic understanding uh, for not just the endpoints, right? But also what's happening in between there. Because if I go in, for example, from a roast perspective and I say, so I want um, a 50% batch size, I want the roast to be 11 minutes, I want the time after crack to be 1 minute and 20 seconds with um, um, 3 degree uh, temperature increase after crack, then uh, getting those numbers are relatively easy. That's not an issue, but again, it doesn't, there's a lot of different ways to do that, right? I can do that with a lot of different burner temperatures, mm -hmm. I can do that with a lot of different starting temperatures and so on as well. So there's a lot of ways to modify it. So if we only look at the start and the finish and not what's actually going on in between and the actual craft, then it gets really difficult for us, um, I think, to make tasty coffee. And it's the same for um, uh, a barista in the shop. I, I remember very well, uh, she's, she's not a barista anymore, but uh, um, at the first work that I had in coffee at Damateo back in Gothenburg, um, that was right in, I mean, that was seven, eight years ago. So that was when people started to use scales. Before people didn't really do that, they didn't really program, right? But we all started to use, use scales and we thought it was really cool. But the reality is that the girl that, uh, or the woman that brewed the best tasting coffee in the, um, in the company was, uh, she worked in the office, but she was a barista previously. Her name is Lina. And she would come in every once in a while in the coffee shop for fun and she would never use any scales. <laughs> never, right? She would just grind out the coffee. She would always do it perfect, but she would never use scales. She would just be able to see it, right? And then brew the espresso, just looking at the espresso, um, and stop whenever she, you know, thought it looked right. And it always tasted the best, always, right? So I think that's really interesting. The the I mean, we can't lose touch of the the proper craft as well. Yeah, but I'm sure. I'm sure in the future we will have. The, for the roasting, the, the the same system like for the, for example, the the electronic music that you will have library with all the curve from the famous roaster in the world or the famous coffee shop in the world with library of curve that you can import in your cropster and roast like uh, uh, Tim Waldebro or if you want to roast like uh, April. It will be super easy. You import the the curve from all all of uh, his coffee that he roasted during the year. For example, uh, how to roast this amazing Gachefe uh, eighty nine from uh, I don't know which roaster, and up you you buy a library of curve, and then sure. it's super easy. The <laughs> You follow yeah. the line and you don't understand what you do, but you need just to follow the the line with with your burner. <laughs> and it will still be tasty. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's. Uh, I mean, and it will be the future. I, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, it's, it's, it's twofold, mm -hmm. right? Because that's also kind of exciting. And I mean, we want tastier coffee. We want we want innovation. Uh, we want uh, progression. I think that's very important, right? So, um, but I mean, it's always uh, it's always a combination, right? We always need to. Um, to, to progress and become better as well, right? Um, I was just over in, uh, in Brazil now for the World Brewers Championship. And well, what strikes me the most when, when competing there is that we all do the same thing, right? So the level of progression or innovation is not there, right? No one's really doing anything new. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we see that a lot in coffee at the moment. And I think that 
people are talking about the new wave in coffee being fully automatic, right? More digitalized, which is true. But the thing is that these, um, these machines are just doing the theory that we already have decided, right? So my point is that we need to get better on the theory, right? We need to have a better understanding for what we're doing on a roasting and a brewing mm -hmm. perspective. Um, let's, let's switch gear a tiny bit here, go back to the roastery. Um, it's a lot to talk about there. What, is, what has been the most difficult part of starting a roastery? What has been the biggest challenge? To, um, to understand the different variety of coffee, to, to, know, uh, to know why a tipeka beans is not the same than a geisha and then you need to treat it differently and this is not super easy for people because sometimes uh, people use this, the same curve for everything and they have no no attention about the the variety the origin the the density the the moisture of the beans and it's a combination of uh, different information about the beans and then with this information you build the curve but the um, also one also, often when you are a roaster, if if your B two B customer are not especially specialty coffee bars, <laughs> you are, you have a, a strange position because uh, you you want to follow a trend that your customer have no idea about what you which trend is it, for example very light roast or uh, very acidic coffee and and then you you need to to adapt your quality to a, in your mind a, a less uh, poor quality and yeah, a less tasty coffee yeah a less tasty coffee to to be adapted to the knowledge of your B2B customer and it's, it's for me it's a it's a strange, it's a, it's a strange uh, position when a customer said me, yeah, I would like to have a, something darker or with a, a higher bitter taste uh, in the coffee because all of my customers uh, uh, have a bad feeling with uh, this, uh, uh, this taste, but I'm sure my job is okay and the beans are uh, super good for sure when I taste it but the job of the barista need to be also uh, adapted to this kind of coffee and generally in uh, classic bar or classic restaurant they, they don't follow the minimum guidelines or barista skills and yeah the coffee is taste bad because uh, the water is not filtered or the machine is dirty or you extract it in 10 seconds yeah but what can I do about this yeah, <laughs> yeah no I think that's a very it's a, f it's a frustration f that yeah, a lot a of grocery owners have I think for sure I mean because it's um, it's so much come uh, to the kind of final you know who is brewing this coffee that decides the quality of it to, to, in a lot of I mean there's there's amazing roasters around the world that has amazing specialty coffee shops and you can still sometimes go in uh, and the coffee would not be very tasty, right? Even if we know that the, the work they're doing is amazing, uh, but the quality doesn't transfer because the last person yeah. in charge is not doing what they're supposed to yeah. do, right? So, yeah, the um, quality is not transfer exactly the right sensor. How do you, how do you balance that? I'm, I'm very curious as a... So April, when I started that, the focus was always been and has been until today as well, that we do not roast coffee or source coffee differently depending on clients, right? So we, we do coffee the way that we believe coffee should be done, uh, which is why April is a tiny roastery as well, because it's hard to grow when you don't do these kind of mm -hmm. adaptations to what those kind of clients want. And what's your more from a business model idea. I mean, are you, 
Are you happy to do customized coffee, for example, or do no. you prefer not to? Or I buy the coffee that I like, mm. and I roast the coffee that I would like to to sell, and I decide for the customer which coffee will receive uh, the next week. In fact, it's very, yeah, uh, it's a strong way, perhaps for some customer, but. Uh, we buy a small quantity of bags and at, when this quantity is down we need to switch to another origin or another uh, variety or another process perhaps but i decide which coffee will have in his own hopper but for sure i am not a crazy guy then i know that there is some origin that it's too tricky for that kind of uh, customer. Then I decide to to turn between uh, Brazil, Colombia, and Guatemala, Honduras, and for uh, other kind of customer like uh, Fica, we can go to uh, something more specific with uh, uh, where you need to have a precision in into the to to the extraction. Then, but. Finally, I decide which coffee I have in my lineup and uh, which coffee you will receive for the next week. Uh, the, the only thing that I don't want to change is the final price for the B2B customer. Then we decide, we spoke about the, the price before to start the collaboration and we decide a price and I follow the the quality of the coffee in relation with the, the final price that to the price yeah. to the price yeah then the the customer knows the final addition the final bill but he don't know which coffee will receive but it's i play the game then uh, i try to have always the best coffee as possible for that kind of price and the, the sweetness or the complexity of the taste it depending of what kind of customer uh, I have. In. Yeah. If we follow, uh, follow down on the kind of green coffee track here, because I know you, you visited quite a few origins as well. Mm -hmm. You've done quite a lot of travels. What's your, what's your idea and vision and plan structure behind the, the green coffee you buy? Do you have a specific idea in mind there? Um, in fact, I'm, I'm very attracted by the, um, the small quantity of one lot. Then uh, I'm, if, if the lot have a, a high quality and a small quantity, it's two things that I'm very interested in. Um, why? Because I will try to uh, to skip the possibility to have the same coffee than another roaster in my country. Because yeah, finally the the diversity of coffee bean green coffee beans provider is very small. There is there are perhaps uh, eight to ten main actor where everybody buy the, the beans, then the chance that you have the same coffee than a, another one is huge. That way I will try to select coffee with small quantity of bags available. And uh, this is one thing. Also, um, if it's possible, I prefer to have uh, contact with Farmer, like farmer or groups of farmer like Nadine, yeah, Nadine Rush is, for example, farmer, but she have a, a selection of different farmer. But sure. the the selection is from the same area, the same country, or the same province, and that I'm, I follow that kind of uh, green beans provider. I, in fact, step by step, I prefer to work with specialty 
geographical specialty uh, provider and not a provider with a huge uh, menu of uh, origin because yeah uh, you focus on something a bit more specific right yeah so Nadine that we referenced she's actually been on this podcast as well um, she has Primavera in Guatemala and she specializes in, in probably the best quality uh, Guatemala coffee we buy from her at April as yeah. well I mean some absolutely amazing coffees and it's um, and we know that this coffee will be not in the hand of all all the roaster exactly. on the, I mean we do see we do see a lot of green coffee uh, or a lot of roaster coffee that that really is the same from a lot of roasters and I think that's I mean it's that's twofold as well because to some extent it's kind of interesting because there's an opportunity to taste what other people are doing with a specific coffee um, at the same time it gets uh, to some extent also really boring and it gets more difficult to find an identity in that right so I like or personally I would prefer a, a diversity of roasters right and April at the moment now is also going down a road where we are definitely start locking in coffees that no one else will be able to have right mm-hmm. uh, which is difficult because that also comes with size it's harder to do that when you're small I think um, so that's it's very much a process that comes with time but I think it's important because it comes down to really finding the identity in the roastery for sure as well I think that's very important um, even though that's always going to be uh, also reflecting on where where you are um, I want us to to jump ahead a bit and talk about so you've been through when when I met you two years ago you had almost double the amount of coffee shops as you have today mm-hmm. right so there's been a switch from how many shops five from five to two from five to two shops and I think that's very interesting we've been talking a lot about that the, the last two days we've been hanging out as well and what's so fascinating for me there is that it it's, seems to me that that was a decision to focus right because you wanted a higher quality in your core brand capital right um, do you want to walk us through that a bit? How was how was that process for you? Because that must have been a challenging process as well, or was it just uh, was it crystal clear and and uh, super easy to do? No, um, it take a long time to decide to decrease the quantity of the business for sure, and it's tricky because uh, uh, you receive each month an an amount of money due to the sales and the months after you divide it by two or three then uh, it's super tricky but the decision was super easy to in my mind why because um, all of my day was where in fact the the, the general days was to to pass in all the shop to to try to manage a tons of problems and technical problems or personal team problems, personal problems, uh, providers problems, uh, and and the rest of the time I was in the roastery to roast tons of beans for these uh, five places. Okay, but. I have no time to to have. In fact, you you need to have time to to understand what's the quality, what you need to do in the future, what's the the next trends, or what uh, the people needs in the future. And this time, I've in fact I've I've no time to do this, and. I was super, uh, super frustrated, and I was always angry because uh, each hour there was a bad news about something was not uh, on time at the uh, a barista was not wake up, uh, a provider forgot to to come at the ta- at the right time, uh, the dishes machine uh, is flowing, a lot of things that you are always angry and no time to take the. The, to, to to mind about what you need to do 
and um, also we have three brands we have Café Capital with three shops Café de la Presse and Café du Sablon and in these two other concepts uh, in fact yeah we have 40% of the sales with hot drinks and 60% of the sales with food and we need to manage a kitchen a, a, a big kitchen with a team of five people sandwiches salad uh, soup and blah 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 and it's not my job uh, in fact I have no I, I, I don't want to do this I want to do coffees and in Café Capital the, we have uh, around 70 to 75% of the sales is hot drinks the rest is pastries and we do these pastries ourselves okay but the the main part of the business is what I want to do and um, that's why I decide to 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 stop with these two shops Café de la Presse and Café de Sablon and one Café Capital because one of the third of the three Café Capital was open only on Saturday and Sunday and it was a roastery and we need to have more place and uh, in fact there is no sense to open just the weekend this job then I decide to move the place and we have in fact three locations but one is not open for the moment to the customer just roastery and training center but also less pressure because we we have a small team now, focus on what we want to do, accept on the brand, uh, accept on the, the quality, less quantity to rose, but better quality, mm. important. Have more time to pass with our B2B customer, to explain to our customer what they need to do to increase the quality, uh, invite the, this customer to the roastery to see how their coffee are made visiting uh, have a better network because now we have time again to, to visit other coffee shop or uh, origin uh, countries and uh, visiting other cities then that's why we I take the decision and also a, a big part of the decision was the quantity of the invoice at the end of the month when you have a lot of different uh, locations you have a lot of rent a lot of salary a lot of taxes a lot of uh, prov provider one the money uh, immediately because when you have five shops the amount of the invoice are very big then they have no patience because they want their money uh, super quick because due to the, 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 the size of the final amount, then everything was super pressure. Um, now yeah, I, I want to have uh, less pressure and better uh, focus on, the, on, on our brand, Café Capital. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's amazing. It's something that I get really impressed about, because it's a lot of, it's very, it's very few people in the industry that would say no to money in that sense and actually back down to focus more on quality and also mm -hmm. focus more on I mean it's not just quality it's also running a I mean it's a, it's a, it's a personal investment right whereas as you as an individual when you have a company you need to be happy yeah and it doesn't uh, matter how much money you get unless you're in a happy productive place and I'm a coffee nerd and uh, I want to to have the to try to have the best quality in in the cup but when you have five places like me and a team of, I think we're at, at the peak time we have uh, 18 to 20 barista, but it's impossible to have 20 world champions. <laughs> then you have rookie, experimented barista, but you have no consistency in the cups. And what you need to do, in fact, it's like uh, the you divide it, your shop in two divisions. You, you put all the rookie in one shop, all the best barista in other, in other shop, the shop that you want, that you have decided that it will be the, 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 main, the main shop for Cafe Capital, then 
you put all the best barista there, the, the rookie in other place, and you have no consistency. And every day you have, uh, yeah, you are angry because uh, the quality of the coffee by a rookie barista is for sure not, not good enough for a coffee nerves like mm. me. Then uh, you are frustrated. And that's why also it was a decision to to cut this problem and to have two shops with a small team of barista, but people who have a lot of um, patience for for the coffee and who want to to follow the the project and not people just they need a job and they think that barista is cool to do. No, sure, and I think that's I mean it's with with growth comes a lot of challenges comes opportunities as well but quite often uh, especially in the roastery world as well if you look at um, I mean there's been ton of research done on roasteries that are are growing and it's very clear that the bigger you are the harder it is to make money right because a lot of the times the increase in cost is too high and doesn't keep up with the increase in 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 revenue from the sold coffee for example so it's um, it's the same with April, whereas we're at a point now where we're tiny. Um, we don't own our own roastery. Um, we, we have a pretty special setup, and that enables us to actually make money. But the second we move into a big production space uh, and we grow and grow and grow, the challenge is that it's going to be much more difficult to make money, mm. right? Plus, as you say as well, it's harder. The bigger the company, especially, I have so much respect for for anyone in coffee that has a roastery and a coffee shop. Part of why I only have a roastery and not a coffee shop is that I would never be able to pull it off. It would be too difficult. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, I don't imagine that I would be able to keep the quality that, that I want. Um, so that's, that's why I'm staying away from it, right? It was a very challenging thing. So it was actually very, because um, uh, I, I didn't know about this. I, I learned about this only when I arrived in, in first day right mm-hmm. so it's a really uh, it's an interesting process I think and I think it's something that will in the future will make your business better as well right because it's but more you're right because with at, at the end with five coffee shops an administration team uh, uh, a large uh, production team we lose money then and now with two two shops you make full of customer one grocery we earn money yeah for sure, Easily. for sure. I mean, it's uh, there's always uh, we we have been talking a lot about this, me and Francois, over the last days. Where it's, um, I mean, running a business is is uh, I mean, you have passion, and then you also have a bunch of numbers, right? And you need to get to a place where the numbers make sense, right? And I think a lot of people in coffee are very passion forward, for lack of a better term, where they're so passion forward that they forget to look at the numbers. Right? Yeah. So they put themselves in these positions where funnily enough, they actually do less passion because they're just hunting the numbers, but they're hunting the wrong numbers or they had the wrong costs or they had the wrong profits and they don't understand what's going on. Uh, so I think it's very important to some extent to never keep track of the numbers. Right? You need to understand what's happening yeah. from a business perspective. It um, doesn't matter how passionate you are about coffee if you can't get the numbers right. So making sure your numbers are correct. Um, I mean, am I selling for the right price? Is the cost of my boxes for shipping the right price, right? Whatever that might be, uh, is enabling you to have more passion in your, in your business. But absolutely. And when, when you have a, a human-sized business, also you, you have enough time to understand the numbers but also you have the possibility to work with a kind of provider that you want to select it exactly for the quality when when my business was bigger than now with five shop finally for example for the milk i have the opportunity to work with a farm for the milk but this farm i have no possibility to to have enough milk for my five uh, coffee places and uh, we, we are open seven on seven and the guys is 
too small for that kind of uh, uh, quantity that I need. And it, it was the same with uh, a bakery. I, I, I would like to work with a, a small bakery and a, an artisan. But the guy said to me, yeah, I, I, can, I can do that kind of job. It's too big for me. Then finally, you, you, <laughs> you need to, to work with common provider that all the, the chain have and where is your specificity? There is no specificity. Yeah, the only specificity was the, the beans, but for the rest, it was a, a, a random quality because... You lose your identity, yeah? Sure, you you have no choice about the, the provider yeah. because you are too big. Yeah, for sure. That's a, and I think that's a really interesting perspective that uh, a lot of people lose, lose track on as well. Uh, there's two things I want, want us to, uh, to go into before, before we wrap this up. And first of all, one, because you have a pretty interesting background before starting with, uh, with coffee. And personally, I'm, I'm very interested in why and how people end up starting with coffee. So how did you end up starting your first coffee shop? What was the, um, I mean, what did you do before and how and why did you change that to coffee? Mm. Uh, I was in the coffee in the music industry before. I was a DJ and uh, also I worked for a, a huge international company organize festival and concerts. Uh, and I worked for the Belgian division. Um, but um, at the end, all the company was transfer uh, to the London, the UK division, because the market in Belgium is small. Then all the administration was transferred to UK and the decision was to close uh, the general office in Belgium. Uh, that's why uh, all the team was fired. And I start uh, with a small uh, sandwich bar, in fact, okay. with coffee, and and uh, that that's my first concept, Café de la Presse, sandwiches and coffees, coffees with a lot of uh, toppings, and that's the the first uh, the the first step in the restaurant business and. Uh, Finally, yeah, the, the f we move into the specialty coffee and uh, we finally sold the, the Café de la Presse bar with the sandwiches and, uh, and sofa and blah, blah, blah to be focused on Café Capital. But before, uh, I was a DJ and uh, concert, yeah, Media manager for a concert uh, and festival company, a huge festival company. Yeah, very cool. And I mean, that's something you can you can tell very clearly when you go into your shops as well. It's it's very mu music focused. Yeah, um, we. In fact, um, a, a, a coffee bar, but it, I think it's general information for all the restaurants. You need to have your own personality, and especially in a coffee bar because it's. A, it's a street. It's street food coffee. Uh, coffee bar, in fact, a lot of people take uh, take away cups. Then it's it's a kind of street food. And then, who are your customer in the street food market? Generally, it's young people, twenty people, uh, young worker, student, and then you need to to have the same code that that kind of customer. Uh, in fact, it's it's my own code also. Then I I like the music and the, then we we play only vinyl and a selection of uh, indie rock or uh, um, uh, specific electronic music or world world music, um, Afrobeat and some, something like this. We have also uh, our coffee bar is just our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is. Uh, one of the main concert hall in Brussels that we try to follow their agenda uh, because, um, in fact, the team from the 
ancienne Belgique, uh, concert hall comes half an at the, the bar, then they said, us, yeah, uh, uh, in the future, this is the, the, the band who will play in the concert hall, and we try to, to play the music that the, the band uh, will, will play the night uh, dur during the concert, and often the, the band come into our bar because we are just uh, close to the, to the concert hall, and Often the musicians want to, to drink coffee or Red sure. Bull. There is, in fact, two possibilities yeah. to be uh, wake up at, during the night. And yeah, and I'd say it's a mix of uh, yeah. uh, street, streets and street life mode and music and, and coffees. How, how difficult on, on the subject of identity and personality which we talked a lot about as well, whereas, I mean, we need more coffee shops with a higher amount of integrity and personality, right? Um, which I think Epic Capital is a great example of. Um, but how difficult is it to implement the same level of integrity and personality in a coffee roaster? Is that, do you find that a lot more challenging? Or do you find that to be easy or difficult? Or? Yeah. Um in fact, in a roastery, the, it's a, the only thing that the customer will see is the, the packaging. Mm. Is your packaging is designed with the, the code that your customer knows or not? But it's a private space, generally, uh, a roastery. Or you put a roastery into a coffee bar, and I think it's the best, the best way to do to have uh, the roastery into your coffee bar. To show more personality. Show, yeah. But for the moment, for us, we, we are close to the customer and the only thing that I can give to the customer is the, 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 the design of the packaging. And is this packaging is in relationship with the, the, their code or not? But... Uh, yeah, um, the the coffee shop need to help the roastery in the brand. In fact, is your coffee shop is famous with all the code that your customer have? They want to buy your coffee because they follow your brand. Sure, definitely. I think that's very important. I think that's something that I noticed with April as well. That it's very very difficult to create a strong brand without a physical location, right? Yeah. Without a coffee shop or without a roastery people can actually come to. I think that's a very, very big challenge. And also when for a coffee bar like like me, where the music is very important, where uh, we try to to follow the code of our customer, it's important also when you're in the recruitment of the team to have a team with the same code. Hmm. For sure. And that's also very difficult. Yeah. Uh, we had some barista with an excellent barista level, but they, I don't know why, but they hit, they, they, they go to the, um, the McDonald's foods uh, every day and they, they listen super commercial music and they don't know the they don't understand the the underground code that we want to to put on the table and at the end it doesn't work no I, I totally agree with that we're gonna do before we wrap up I want to hear some some kind of final thoughts on where do you want Cafe Capital to be in the future what's your goal um, where do you want the, the coffee industry to be as well? Like, what do you think is, will be the new trend? The, the new, the, the, the market, the market for the small roastery is to be into the home of citizen. That, then which kind of machine there they have at home and then if you decide to be 
at home you need to produce capsule or uh, grinded coffee because generally they have no grinder and no espresso machine and, uh, would you like to be there or not um, would, would you like to to be only in restaurant okay then if you do this you need to to give the a minimum of workshop to your customer because if not they will call you in two weeks that your co the quality of the coffee is bad and you, you are you are a bad roaster and it's very uh, you will be angry with your with your own customer and, but the, I think the the future of the coffee um, my future is probably to to open perhaps new bars in the future but I w if I do this I need uh, someone who will organize the the administration and I, I need to to have my time to to improve to improve the to 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 follow the quality and to follow the my own job. Yeah. I don't want to to fall down in like in the past uh, into the daily problems. But the future of the the industry is probably the um, the presence of specialty coffee roaster into supermarkets with with capsule or grinded coffee I think the mm. same like commodity coffee but with better image and better better design and better quality of coffee yeah to raise the, the low level of the, the, the coffee really right yeah. around the world and uh, the first entrance will be all the new kind of bio market bio supermarket with or local local provider supermarket mm. yeah Super. I think it's, uh, I mean, for me, it's really interesting. It's always interesting to get around in different countries and different cities to see. And in Belgium, it's a pretty different market from, from what I'm used to in Scandinavia as well. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see what's coming up next for Cafe Capital. I'm looking forward to see, um, to see what's going to happen. And um, thank you for taking the time as well to sit down. Pleasure. It's been really always interesting. a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then we'll make sure to... Uh, do all the links for Kevin Capital so you guys can try the coffee, buy the coffee as well when we release this. Um, as always, thank you guys for, uh, for tuning in and listening. From us here at April, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends, family and colleagues. Thank you.